Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of Profitable Architect Online Weekly Podcast. My name is Sarah Colata, and I'm an architect and a digital transformation specialist. I am fed up with the fact that architects globally are undervalued, underappreciated, and struggle to make enough for their living. This community is for students, young practitioners, academics, firm owners, and senior architects who are looking to raise their value, leveraging the tools of digital transformation. So in this episode, I will discuss the true importance of value and give you some great pointers as to where to start with establishing a stronger value for yourself as an architect. But before all that, I want to check back with you and ask whether or not you've listened to my last episode. As if you did, the story that I will share with you in this episode started exactly in the place where the last story ends. And if you didn't, don't worry about it. Both of these stories from my life are separate from each other, although they do feed into each other. So you can as well listen to episode one after you finished with this one. I also want to encourage each and every one of you to connect with me on social media. You will find me on all platforms just by looking up my name, Sarah Colata, be it YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, as I share my stories, coaching, advice, and mentorship in many forms outside of this podcast. So if you're a reader, you can read my blog on Medium or LinkedIn publications. And if you're more visual, you can also watch loads of videos on my YouTube, all of which tie into the same exact topic of value and digital transformation for architects. So without further ado, let me share with you my story, which took place in 2010 in Shanghai, where I lived doing my first internship in architecture. My apartment was in the very center of Shanghai, right next to People's Square on the 15th floor of a skyscraper. The views were really stunning, as from my building you could see all the major towers of the urban fabric. Mercedes, Bank of China, Marriott, you name it. The window of my room was on the other side, overlooking the Suzhou River, over which was my office. I could see over the city a park and quite a lot of urban fabric below. It was really remarkable as the city spread endlessly up to the horizon. Below, in not so far distance, was a place which used to always draw my attention. It was like a big square, a size of a block of flats, positioned within the rectangle of roads, right in the middle of a city. It was a pedestrian-only network of little roads and buildings much smaller than the rest of the city. Most of the urban fabric of the center was quite high-rise, but there, the building topology looked a little bit different. From the distance, it almost looked self-built. It was much lower and there was quite high density of people. I was really curious and one day after work, I decided to wander there and find that place. From the street level, it wasn't easy to find, as the facade of the buildings looking into the street was still looking quite similar everywhere. With plenty of restaurants, massage parlors and nail salons, it was virtually impossible to guess where exactly was that place. So I walked around, crossing the gates and looking into the courtyards around where I knew that this place was positioned, and I finally got in. As I walked in, the first thing that hit me was this awful smell of urine. There were public toilets of sorts on the side of the gate, and they were so full and so used that practically out of every single cubicle, there was a stream of urine which was flowing towards a little drain in the middle of a street. It was really dirty and unwelcoming. The first shock I felt was the amount of children running around the cobbled streets. I felt somehow alien allowing myself to wander in, but my curiosity took a better of me, so I kept walking. As I walked the street, I realized that the buildings around me were indeed self-built structures. 
There was a combination of concrete block, aluminium tin, wood, glass and drywall panels, all put together to somehow form a shelter. From the street level, it all looked somehow eclectic, poor, but interesting in a way. I understood their homes, but I couldn't really quite understand why. What was the real story behind this place? Why was it so different from the rest of the industry-dominated city centre? Looking through cracks in the self-assembled facades, I began to see more and more towards the inside, slowly realising the interior alignment of the living spaces. This is, I guess, where the reality really hit home. Behind the facades were no living spaces as we know it. The spaces were not human height to start with, they were much, much smaller. It was as if each floor only had a meter in height and spread long, as long as, you know, like an individual living space would, so maybe four to five meters. But wait, one meter tall floors? How? I looked closer to realize that there were handwoven mats on the floor, one next to another, one next to another. Eventually it hit me. I saw a person sleeping on one of them. They were beds. One next to another, handwoven mats upon which people rested. It was a community of people living in little buildings resembling bunk beds. No living rooms, kitchens or toilet spaces as we know it. All those facilities were rather communal, spread across the neighborhood. The little buildings were sleeping shelters. At this point, I was dying out of curiosity. What happened here? Who are these people? What is this place? Why is it here? The people were poor. They were dirty. The children played in trash. It was smelly and unpleasant. Some women cooked on little stoves right in front of their shelters. I kept walking and as I walked, I felt more and more out of place. I started to feel like my white European heritage burnt holes in my body. I realized how contrasting I am as I walked past these people. I really felt like an intruder, like an invader. I felt embarrassed about my curiosity which brought me here in the first place. I also felt shame. Shame for the privilege I was wearing, as nothing made me different from these people yet again, everything about me was different. My clothes, my shoes, my hair, my height, my background, it was all written all over me. I walked faster and faster until I found a crack in a wall and squeezed through back into the normal city road. There, life continued like ever before. It was all normal, but I was different. Something in me changed that moment. Something changed forever. I realized that I have been given a gift at birth. A gift of being born into a middle-class Polish migrant family, which within this very moment of time defined me as a person who will be exposed to possibilities closed to so many people around the world. I didn't have to be born rich to be able to afford education, to move to London, to get into CSM, which was a school of my dreams. I didn't have to have much money to travel the world in my early 20s. I didn't have to, because by default, all of those things will become available to me just because of the environment I would be brought up in, which will, by default, hold all of those possibilities at my disposal. It was the first time when I asked myself, what am I going to do with this gift? That day, as I stood in the window of my room, staring at Shanghai at night, I looked at the city differently. I saw urbanization, development, I saw desires, money, commerce and growth, technology, industrialization and uncontrolled, limitless human expansion. But I also saw poverty, pain, suffering. And I still wondered, what was that place I discovered? 
I contemplated the fact of how very different my experience of architecture and the urban fabric of the city has been so far. Eight hours a day I was drawing detailing into a museum building, situated in a massive urban development project, overlooking an artificial island. The amount of money which go into these projects, the amount of dreaming, the energy to make these dreams reality. We grow, we create, we develop, we grow. But is there a price to all of that? Is there a price to what I do? I was bored at work. I knew I didn't want to work as a cat monkey all my life. But I also thought about the meaning of all the projects that I created so far. Who did they really serve? What value did they really carry? Were they aligned with what mattered to me personally? In the light of the experience, I stood there really thinking deep about the value of my privilege. I thought about being a woman, being a migrant, a traveler, being European, being a young architect. I thought about how much I have already and about all those things that I was serving this far. I realized that one of the greatest privilege is choice. Choice, an ability to choose, to choose what is the right thing to do, what is the right thing to do in a value of the gifts that I've been given. How can I use what I have to bring value to other people? Can I serve others to help them enjoy life as a valuable experience? There comes a moment in each and every single one of our lives where we have to confront our values. These internal values we hold to are what we expressed into the world. There are several meanings to value and they all tie to each other in a really amazing way. The most common meaning which comes to mind is the regard which we give to something as we estimate its importance, worth, deservedness and usefulness. Now, this can be in relationship to the outside world. So for example, the way the world perceives our value or a value of an object or service that we offer. But there is even a more interesting and important aspect to value, which is extremely closely connected to the way that we perceive our own personal value. Your personal value has to do with your judgment of what is important in life and your principle or standard of behavior. The two meanings of value are somehow different, but they are also connected as they correspond to two aspects of the same thing. Finding your values and clarifying them is one of the first steps towards true self-awareness. And I believe that is the first step to really confront the topic of value, be it the value of work, the value of your personal life, the value of your projects, services, your paycheck, or your net worth, and the value of your career as architect. That topic can be approached from many angles many scales of influence, but starts with one place and that place is you. You and your personal values. Rolf Waldo Emerson said, the only person you're destined to be is the person you decide to be. So as we dive into the topic of value and the size of your paycheck, we have to ask this question. What would your values need to be to create your best career and life? Because I am sure that we all know what is important to us. And if I asked you that question, I'm sure you would have your own answer. But the answer changes when we change the question from what's important to me to asking what do my values need to be? The ultimate question to ask is what would your values need to be so that you could realize your potential as an architect and live your best life? So what is the importance of our value? When you know your values, you can live them. 
That moment when I stood in my room looking out of the window at the city lights reflecting the night fog, I made a decision to devote my life to service and to always focus my work on a human element. I see the human in everything that I do. Through all my career in architecture as a business owner, through the various projects I do today, this decision I took back then is still very important to me now. Every day, there are so many chances to make the right choice as to what your values are. And when you know the value you bring, the value you built, the value of your calling, and when it is greater than you, that already gives much meaning to your everyday without having to look much further. I created this place because I see a future where architecture designers, engineers, and construction professionals can live their full potentials without being limited by their lack or inadequacies. My vision is to create a community where everyone helps one another through sharing their experience and being open to collaboration, moving away from competition and isolation. All this for a better good of an individual, but also a greater collective. So if there is something in both, your career or your personal life, which needs to change or to improve, this is a place where you can tune in to find motivation to change that. Revisit your personal system of values and name them. See what drives you internally and see whether there is anything at all that you can do today to bring your career as an architect or your personal life in retrospect to a more aligned path. Stay tuned as I share my journey, my research, my observations, experiences and wisdom here through this podcast and all other social media channels. If you like this episode, continue to the next one to learn more about me and the work that I do. Also, before you go, click subscribe to be notified of the next episode coming out. They get published regularly on Fridays. Follow me on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram under my name, Sarah Colata. To help me grow, share this podcast with anyone you can think that can find this valuable via using the button below the audio link. For each and every one of you who made it this far, I have a special gift. It is my recently written Profitable Architect Online ebook, a step-by-step guide to moving your practice online and monetizing on currently available technologic opportunities. To claim it, go to saracolata.com forward slash ebook and download my Profitable Architect online ebook for free. Also, as this is my second episode, it would mean a world to me if you take a minute to leave me an honest review and rating on iTunes. Those reviews really help out if it comes to the ranking of the show and I make it a point to read each and every one of the reviews I get. Thank you and see you in the next episode. Thank you.